0: Welcome, fellow crime addicts, to our weekly CA meeting. I'm Kylie. And I'm Casey. Grab a cup of coffee, and let's get our fix.
1: Welcome back, addicts. This week, it's gonna get a little bit creepy. We are discussing Paul Lunge and his super disturbing life. But on a positive note, we are drinking a classic Snickers mocha, obviously ice because it's like a million degrees. But here we go. This week, we are shouting out Michelle R, Megan and Catherine B. They have commented, liked, rated, shared reviewed or donated, so we wanted to thank you guys so much. We are so grateful for the support that you guys have been giving us with our podcast and we want you to know that we love you so much. For your chance to get a shout out on our next episode, please donate, like, follow, rate, review, or share across all social media platforms. You can find us at Crimatics Pod on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, and IG, or on the World Wide Web at Crime podcast.com On our website, Addicts, you'll find a spot where you can submit case recommendations, find our delicious coffee recipes, and there's also a pretty cool donate button. And if you're an Amazon shopper like myself, go ahead and click our Amazon link. It will redirect you to the Amazon site or app. Simply add your items to the cart and check out. This process will help support our show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra.
0: The date was January 3, 1995, and the location was Streamwood, a village in Cook County, Illinois. A 25-year-old woman by the name of Stacy Frobel, who was a resident of Carroll Stream, Illinois, went to visit her friends at their home. Following this visit, Stacy was never seen alive again. Stacy, once inside the house, was struck in the head with a dumbbell, which killed her instantly. Her body was then placed in the bathtub where she was dismembered with a saw. Her limbs were then scattered around the northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin area. Approximately two weeks later, on January 16th, a German shepherd named Friendly brought a severed leg to its owner's home, which it had found in a field near the Illinois and Wisconsin border, which was approximately an hour north of Streamwood, Illinois. Five days later, the dog also found the other leg. DNA tests concluded that it was indeed Stacy Froebel's.
1: While at the unemployment office on or about July 11, 1995, two sisters were offered a house cleaning job through a mutual acquaintance in Glendale Heights, which is a village in DuPage County, Illinois. The girls' names were Zanetta and Amela Pasenbegovich, aged 22 and 20, respectively. They were Bosnian refugees who had come to live in the United States with their uncle in Hanover Park, Illinois, just six months prior. The uncle reported them missing on July 25th. After they entered the home of the woman, they were under the impression was hiring them for a house cleaning business they were never seen again. It is presumed that upon entering the home, they were handcuffed, bludgeoned, raped, tortured, and strangled to death. They, too, were dismembered. Their remains were placed in plastic bags and discarded in random garbage bins. So who were the owners of the two homes? That would be Paul and Charlene Runge. They had lived in Streamwood, Illinois in January 1995, where Paul worked at a footlogger store, which is a popular sports shoe store, usually found inside shopping malls for those of you that are unfamiliar. After Stacey was murdered, Paul called in sick for many days before eventually quitting. By July 1995, they had moved to Glendale Heights, Illinois, where Paul began working for a honey-baked ham store in a different mall, while Charlene was planning to start a cleaning business. The day after the Pasenbegovich sisters were killed, Paul again called in sick for a few days before quitting his job. While there was a break, unfortunately, the destruction continued.
0: In January 1997... Dorota Jubek had her home in Chicago's northwest side in Cook County listed for sale and was meeting with a potential buyer who had responded to her ad. She was a mother of a five-year-old daughter who was not at the home at the time of the meeting. This was lucky for her because 30-year-old Dorota was raped and subsequently strangled. Her burned body was later located by firefighters extinguishing the fire set in her home.
1: A 45-year-old mother by the name of Yolanda Gutierrez had posted a for-sale sign for her daughter's reading program, Hooked on Phonics, outside her home in Cook County, Illinois. On February 3, 1997, a man responded to the sign and entered the home. In there, he bound both Yolanda and her 10-year-old daughter, Jessica Muniz, raping and torturing both of them for hours on a bed. Eventually, their throats were cut and their home was set on fire to dispose of the evidence.
0: In March 1997, Casimira Peruch, who was 43, had her Cook County, Illinois condominium posted for sale. She had arranged to meet with a potential buyer and was never seen alive again. She was raped and strangled. Her burned body was found by firefighters after they extinguished a fire in her home. Sound familiar? So who was the man to respond to each of these three ads? You guessed it. Paul Runge.
1: So who is this creep? Well, unfortunately, little is known about Paul Renger's early life. What is known is that he was born in Oak Forest, Illinois on January 28th, 1970. Reportedly, ever since he was a child, he exhibited sexual sadism and similar behaviors, which apparently worsened when his mother died when he was just 17 years old. His first known crime was committed later the same year following his mother's death. Runge kidnapped, raped, and beat up a 14-year-old girl in Oak Forest, only to later turn himself into the authorities. On August 28, 1987, he was convicted of aggravated criminal sexual assault, aggravated kidnapping for ransom, and armed violence. He was sentenced to 14 years in prison. He was paroled in May 1994 after serving just six years and nine months of his 14-year sentence. Following his release is when he married Charlene, who we previously introduced. Runge also first obtained the job at Foot Locker as a salesman, then the job at the Honey Baked Ham store as a truck
0: driver. In many of these cases, authorities were able to determine the victims were contacted from someone using a payphone prior to their deaths. Because of the payphone information, authorities were able to trace back the calls and were aware of Paul Runge's After the Pasenbegovich sisters were reported missing, police surveilled him and his wife, even attempting to question them, but their efforts were unsuccessful as they had no evidence the sisters entered their home or that they were responsible for them being missing, only that a suspicious phone call had been made from a payphone and that they were referred to work for Mrs. Runge's house cleaning business. Once these bodies began turning up and had not been all linked or even discovered yet, Chicago police reached out to the FBI to construct a profile of the killer. I think this is great that they are reaching out to the FBI, by the way, because they are utilizing resources instead of being too timid or egotistical to ask for help. So per Mary Ellen O'Toole, the FBI profiler, the murderer appeared to derive excitement from the risk and thrill of the kill. Setting fire to victims may have provided a rush of omnipotence, per the profile. Authorities alerted the media that there may be a serial killer on the loose and that they looked for leads among men who'd recently been released from prison. Three years later, with tech advances and the expansion of DNA databases, police reprocessed the DNA evidence they had on file for the case. A match came up for, you guessed it, 30-year-old Paul Runge. When questioned about Stacey Froebel's murder, he denied knowing anything about it. However, official suspicions about Runge didn't waver. The FBI recruited Runge's friend and roommate, Dina Bartolini, to wear a wire and get him to talk about Stacy. Dina Bartolini attempted to discuss the subject in every possible direction. Runge didn't go anywhere near the topic. She described him as, quote, stone cold. By May of 1997, DuPage County detectives still had no way to directly connect Runge to Stacey Frobel's murder, but they were able to get a warrant to search his apartment where they found weapons in violation of his parole conditions. Runge was sent back to prison to serve out the remaining seven years of his prior 14-year sentence. Chicago police interrogated Runge at the Will County Jail, where they told him they had his DNA from the body of Jessica Muniz. His response shocked investigators. He said, quote, you got me. Runge validated authorities' theories that he found victims through classified ads they posted to sell items and their homes. Runge also confessed to killing Amela and Zaneta Pasenbegovich. Unfortunately, the bodies were never located. Runge was charged with seven counts of murder. Since these crimes occurred in two different counties, he was being charged out of both DuPage County for the murders of Zanetta and Amela Pasenbegovich and Cook County for the remaining five murders of Stacy Frobel, Dorota Zubek, Yolanda Gutierrez, Jessica Muniz, and Casimira Peruch. Prosecutors began with the murders of Yolanda Gutierrez and Jessica Muniz because they had the physical DNA evidence and it was their strongest case.
1: While in custody at the Sheridan Correctional Center during the adjudication process, Runge made an escaped attempt. It was in October of 2000 when Runge and another serial rapist by the name of Gregory Conley were being transported to court for their individual scheduled hearings. During the transportation, Conley began coughing and appeared to be throwing up into a bag when he called for Correctional Officer Rich Schroeder's attention. Once Officer Schroeder, who was driving the van, turned around, Conley sprayed mace in his face and temporarily blinded him. Another Correctional Officer, Vanessa Nelson, was in the passenger seat and was also sprayed in the face. The van was stopped and the officers exited the vehicle at the Illinois Highway 126 and Illinois Highway 59 in Plainfield, which is a village located in Will County, Illinois. Both Runge and Conley jumped out of the van and got into a waiting car being driven by Doris Harper, a former correctional officer at the Sheridan Correctional Center. Runge, Conley, and Harper were stopped and arrested by Naperville police about 15 minutes after they fled. The former correctional officer, Harper, was convicted in 2002 of the attempted escape and sentenced to 12 years in prison by Will County Circuit Judge Gerald Kinley. The judge accepted a plea agreement in which Harper agreed to testify against Runge in his
0: trials. So let me get this right. This was a female officer at a male prison. Then she isn't employed there anymore. God only knows why that employment ended. Then she helped plan and carry out an escape, which only lasted a whole 15 minutes before they were caught, and then was put in prison herself by way of offering to snitch on one of the men she attempted to help escape. Did we not just go full circle? I'm so confused. This bitch was clearly... Oh, has. This bitch has clearly never watched Prison Break, Shawshank Redemption, or a single other prison movie. And she also does not value her life at all. Like, that is the worst reputation you can possibly have. Like, literally all of those things combined. And she did all of them. Like, I can't even believe it. So... She literally checked every single checkbox for stupidity for me when it comes to this. Like, I don't even understand that. I'd honestly be surprised if she wasn't targeted in prison or dead at this point. I mean, we're going to locate her in the Illinois prison system. So who freaking knows? I was shocked when I read this. I was like, she did what? No, wait, she did what? No, wait, it just kept getting worse. It was like watching a train wreck for me.
1: Right. And it's bad enough to be an ex-CO going into prison but then to add being a snitch on top of it like that's just the cherry on top
0: right and then you tried to help someone escape and failed like that's not good either like i don't understand like you don't want to be any one of those things individually and then you're all of those things do you know what i'm saying like what
1: right it's just crazy
0: okay so all right i just wanted to make sure i got that correct continue on with your story i'm sorry to interrupt
1: So Conley, who had already been convicted of raping 10 women by that point, was sentenced in 2001 to 30 years in prison for his role in the escape. It appears he is no longer in custody at the prison, but his sex offender registry states that he is in the custody of the Department of Human Services. So I'm not really sure what that means at this time. For the record, though, Grunge's sex offender registration accurately states that he is in the custody of the Department of Corrections, so maybe Conley is like in the loony bin or something. I'm not sure. Anyways, Grunge pled guilty in 2002 to the following charges escape of a felon from a penal institute aggravated battery robbery and possession of contraband he was convicted in will county illinois of escape of a felon from a penal institute and sentenced to seven years in prison plus an additional five years for aggravated battery in a public place
0: as always Trial proceedings take an extraordinarily long time, considering he committed these crimes in 1995 and 1997, was linked to them by way of DNA evidence around the year 2000, and wasn't convicted until 2006. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. As we've already said, the prosecutors first sought the death penalty for the murders of Yolanda Gutierrez and Jessica Muniz in Cook County, Illinois. Prosecutors argued Runge was not sane, saying he was shrewd and cunning in talking his way into Gutierrez's apartment by tricking her into thinking he wanted to purchase her belongings for sale. Assistant State's Attorney John Dillon told jurors, quote, he's not insane. He's not mentally ill. He's evil, end quote. Runge's defense team argued Runge suffers from sexual sadism that makes him unable to control his impulses to rape and kill. But prosecutors countered by showing Runge planned and then concealed his crimes, proving he understood his behavior to be criminal. I'd also like to say that he's not raping and killing anybody in prison, so he must be able to control it there. I don't really understand that, but okay. After only deliberating for about an hour, the jury subsequently convicted Runge of both murders. Runge, sitting with his chin resting on folded hands, had no observable reaction as the verdict was read. Family members of the victims wept and hugged outside of court. Quote, we didn't have a doubt that the man was guilty, said Yolanda Gutierrez's father, Ramon Rivera. Rubbing his hands over his face as he fought back tears, Ramon Rivera told jurors at Paul Runge's sentencing hearing that his family has battled emptiness, despair, and anger since Runge killed his daughter and granddaughter in 1997. Ramon Rivera said it was horrifying to find out Yolanda Gutierrez and her daughter, Jessica Muniz, had not died accidentally in a fire. Ramon was left struggling with the loss and trying to find ways to explain to his other grandchildren what had happened. Quote, my surviving grandchildren were not able to understand why their cousin Jessica was gone, he said. Ramon said his daughter was very trusting, a great listener, who was the oldest of eight daughters. She loved singer Tony Braxton and the movie Grease, he said. Following Runge's conviction, he went into the sentencing phase. In the second phase of Runge's death penalty hearing, jurors listened to the only known victim to survive an attack by Runge, for which he went to prison for. She recounted 15 hours of rape and torture at his hands during her testimony. She said she knew Runge from school and was lured to his Oak Forest home early August 17, 1987. Although his family was away, he lied and told her they were asleep, she said. The 32-year-old woman recounted how she slipped out of a window at her house without her mother's knowledge to meet then-17-year-old Runge near a horse stable after he told her a friend needed someone to hide some marijuana for the night. When she followed Runge into the house, he punched her in the face, knocking her to the floor, and then began raping her repeatedly, she testified. About 14 hours after the torture and rapes began, Runge's girlfriend called him and asked for a ride to work, Prosecutor said. The woman testified Runge stuffed her into a sleeping bag, gagged, blindfolded, and bound, and put her into a crawlspace before leaving the house. Quote, I was thinking that I wasn't going to die lying down, and I was going to escape, she said. She did escape, opening doors with her hands cuffed behind her back. She hopped across the lawn until a woman passing by in a car spotted her. Her body was covered with bite marks, knife wounds marked on her arms, and her ankles and wrists were ringed by the deep impressions from handcuffs. Yet, when asked by prosecutors to describe her injuries, the woman asked timidly, The physical injuries? Runge avoided eye contact with the woman and jury members during the graphic testimony. Defense attorneys for Runge did not cross-examine the woman, who took deep breaths during her time on the stand, but largely kept her composure.
1: But Runge's defense team did put Runge's 69-year-old father, Richard, on the stand, who apologized to Ramon Rivera and his wife for his son's actions. Richard said he and his late wife, Anita, adopted Paul Runge when he was six months old. The father chronicled his son's troubled childhood in Oak Forest, including his being kicked out of a Catholic grade school when he was eight because parents had complained that he was, quote, bothering their daughters. Gross. Needless to say, the jury found him eligible for the death penalty on eight statutory grounds. After considering evidence in aggravation and mitigation, the jury concluded that the death penalty was appropriate sentence after deliberating for only two hours. Runge was as expressionless as he had been throughout the trial. When the jury's recommendation was read, he stared down at the table in front of him. Cook County Assistant State's Attorney Bernie Murray told the jury, quote, Paul Runge is the ultimate candidate for the death penalty. If not him, who? End quote. After the hearing, Murray told reporters, quote, Paul Runge for us redefined the death penalty in Cook County. A serial killer of this magnitude has not been seen in the Chicagoland area for quite some time, end quote. After the trial, Ramon Rivera said, quote, there can never be closure for us because I don't have my daughter right now. I don't have my granddaughter. At least justice is done. He'll never be able to harm anyone again. I guess he got what was coming to him. I know he's going to burn in hell. He has to. End quote. As a last-ditch effort, the defense team saw a new trial at the sentencing hearing, but Judge Joseph Kasmerick denied the motions and sent the killer to death row in June 2006.
0: A moratorium on the death penalty in Illinois was in effect since Governor George Ryan halted executions in the state shortly before he left office in 2003. Prosecutors were later allowed to resume seeking the death penalty in criminal cases, but the state legislature had not lifted the ban on carrying out the death sentence. Runch was scheduled to be the fifth person sentenced to death in Cook County since imposing the death sentence was resumed. In early 2006 is when Paul Runch was convicted of the murders of Yolanda Gutierrez and Jessica Muniz. In the summer of 2006 is when he was sentenced to death. In August of 2006, the DuPage County State's Attorney decided to drop charges concerning Zanetta and Amela Pasenbegovich cases because it would be a waste of time. After all, Runge had already received the highest punishment available in the state. From 2006 to 2011, Paul Runge sat on death row in the state of Illinois. However, in 2011, Governor Pat Quinn abolished capital punishment, and Runge's sentence was commuted to life imprisonment without parole. Of course, there were appeals filed and further motions have been filed, yet nothing has changed. Paul Runge is still incarcerated at the Pontiac Correctional Center in Illinois, serving a life sentence with no parole eligibility. He is nothing more than inmate number n 84 715, and never will be anything more than just that. What a waste of life and death.
1: Okay, so this week our um, article is coming from the Chicago Tribune. It is titled Suspects First Statement in Killings Heard, and it was dated February 2nd, 2006. Prosecutors played a videotaped statement by serial killer Paul Runge Thursday that included grisly details of the sexual assault and slayings of a mother and daughter on the West Side nine years ago. The former salesman occasionally glanced at the television monitor showing the statement he gave in June 2001. In the statement, he said he killed Yolanda Gutierrez, 35, and her daughter, Jessica Muniz, 11, in their apartment on February 3rd, 1997. Runge's defense team contends the 36-year-old should be found not guilty by reason of insanity. Frank Capitelli, the retired detective who supervised the investigation and was present during Runge's statement, testified Thursday that he questioned Runge in Will County Jail. Tess showed DNA evidence from Jessica's body matched Runge's profile, Capitelli said. Runge initially denied involvement or knowledge of the killings, but implicated himself After they showed him the results of the DNA analysis, Capaletti testified, quote, he said, you know, I did it. You got me. What do you want me to say? Capaletti said. The recorded statement played Thursday was the first of two taped accounts to be played for the jurors. In the first account, Runch implicated his then wife in the slangs, But in the second, expected to be played Friday in court, prosecutors said Runch gives a different account that did not involve his wife. His now ex-wife was never charged, and the prosecutors say they believe she was not involved in the killings. In the statement played Thursday, Runge said he first went to Gutierrez's apartment January 31st, 1997, in response to an advertisement he saw at a local supermarket selling a reading program. He left without buying the program, telling Gutierrez he had to consult his wife on the purchase. Runge said the reading program was for his wife's nine-year-old son. The two returned to the apartment in the 3100 block of North Laramie Avenue the morning of February 3rd, according to Runge's statement. His wife accompanied him because she did not want him to go alone to another woman's home. They entered the studio apartment and spoke with Gutierrez. Runge said in the recording that his wife became angry because she thought Gutierrez was being flirtatious with him. A physical struggle broke out between the two women, during which Gutierrez grabbed a kitchen knife and yelled at them to get out. Grunge then grappled with Gutierrez and took the knife from her. He said he used duct tape to bind her hands, did the same with her daughter, then threw them on the bed. Grunge said in a recording statement that he had sex with his wife on the bed. After that, Grunge said he sexually assaulted Gutierrez, then the girl. He then cut their throats, according to the recorded statement. Next, Runge said his wife poured turpentine on the bed where the two bodies lay. He said he lit a match and threw it on the bed, causing it to burst into flames. The couple fled the apartment, he said. Prosecutors said after opening statements, they believe Runge's second account, which excludes any implication of his wife's involvement in the crime, is more the accurate version. Runge is charged with the slayings of six women and the child between January 1995 and March 1997. The murder trial at the criminal courts building is his first. He previously served a prison term for the rape of a 14-year-old girl in 1987.
0: Okay. on the topic of Charlene Runge, we've talked about her a couple of different times, um, like in the beginning when we were talking about the murders and then also throughout that article. And there has been a lot of speculation, you know, as to her exact involvement. But I thought that there were quite a few interesting facts surrounding her and Paul's relationship. So Charlene was pregnant at the time that she met Paul Runge, but it was not his child, and he had recently been released from prison. Then they were involved in Stacy Frobel's murder together. And then after that murder is when they got married. And then after that is when the next two murders took place, which is the Passambegovich sisters. And that's basically the extent of Charlene's actual involvement, regardless of what Paul Runge tried to convince authorities of during his interrogations and statements. So authorities granted Charlene Runge immunity in 2000 in exchange for her cooperation in their investigation Which really sucks because just a few months later, forensic experts were able to determine that the DNA evidence from Jessica Muniz's body matched that of Paul Runge's. So after being confronted with that evidence, that's when Runge confessed on videotape in two different statements to all seven murders and was charged But prior to that, they had already given Charlene Runge immunity, even though they had a solid case without her. They Turns out they didn't even really need that information from her because they had scientific evidence. Also, something that authorities learned about Charlene in their investigation and her cooperation is that the cleaning business that she was supposedly starting was apparently a ploy to set up threesomes with her and Paul Runge So that's what the ultimate endgame was for her in trying to pick up women so that they could have threesomes while she's pregnant. And the woman who had wore a wire and was their friend, Dina Bartolini, she also had threesomes with them on occasion but was not involved in the murders at all and did not know. I mean, the only thing, the extent that she was involved is that they had used her car to spread the dismembered bodies around. And in an interview, she had made a comment that they came back with like half of the gas tank empty, you know, so she could tell that they had gone quite a ways, but she most certainly didn't know what they were doing. And when the police had approached her and asked her, to wear a wire, she was completely taken aback. Like she had no idea that this was going on, let alone that he was even capable of something like that. So she was of course willing to cooperate, but definitely didn't have any other role in that, even though she was a roommate of theirs. And just to wrap up these two recorded statings with like a nice little bow, uh, in the second statement that they believe to be a lot more accurate based on evidence and logic. According to Runge, he said that when they had got the two Pasenbegovich sisters in their home and they told them what they were really trying to do, that one of them had taken off running, but Runge caught her and things basically just went south from there. Like she fell And he kind of slammed her to the ground a little bit in trying to catch her and her head was bleeding and they had to separate them and, of course, handcuff them and all just the horrible things basically took place at that point in time. So it makes me wonder had they cooperated if they'd still be alive. I would say
1: like hindsight is 2020, but looking back on their history now, I would say that they probably would not have survived. And so I think that them trying to escape was their best possibility of surviving that situation, unfortunately, but I don't think that if they just went along with it, they would have just let them walk free knowing what we know now.
0: That's true. Uh it's just yeah. It's sad to think about that there is that opportunity, but you kind of put someone in between a rock and a hard place. You know what I mean? Like they did not want to participate, but it was either that or die. I mean, that's terrible. The last little piece of information about Charlene that I could find is that she did later divorce Paul Runge and they thankfully never had children together. And as far as I could see, she wasn't in the Illinois prison system at this time. I don't know. I couldn't really find anything else out about her regarding like what she's doing today, how her son is doing that she was pregnant with through all of this. Uh There, I really couldn't find too much information about how she's doing today or what she's doing other than she's not in prison and she's not a registered sex offender. So I don't know. Maybe she's out there doing something pro-social, but... Uh, That's basically what I could find as far as that she's no longer affiliated with Paul Runge. One more fun fact that I found is that Runge has always denied media interviews. But that's interesting to me because he seems like the type of person who would want that attention. So it's kind of interesting that he's laid low for so many years but I just wonder if someday he'll come out and say something or do something. But he did agree to answer some questions at one point with his father's assistance. So I don't know, because I kind of wonder, like, if they asked him a question and he answered it, but then his father had to review it first, like, could his father have modified that or something? I don't know, but maybe not, because this is the, the only thing that I could really find as far as answers from him to the media. Runge said, quote, I don't let myself accept I'm guilty of these crimes. This was all in a written response. Quote, I feel bad about the pain I've caused, but the self-defense part of my brain doesn't let me identify the crimes with me. Without truly accepting my actions, there will never be an equal amount of guilt or remorse. To fully accept and realize my actions would kill me. End quote. I think that's just like a really cowardly way of saying that he'd do it again. You know, I'm not going to accept that I'm guilty because then I have to suffer and I shouldn't have to do that. Why should I have to suffer? You know, like I really think that that is such a cowardly response. And He's basically stating, oh, well, because I have a self-defense part of my brain that's not allowing me to identify with these crimes, then I don't really feel that bad or that guilty because I don't have to. And that's, you're to me, you're not taking any responsibility. You're not c- accepting the punishment or taking accountability for your own crimes and actions. And Based on the fact that there's like little to no remorse in those statements tells me that, again, if you released him, he would just keep going. I don't understand. Like that response was I don't know if he thought he was like tricking someone or if that was just maybe not well thought out. But if you're not going to do media interviews and you're only going to respond via written response so that they can put in a direct quote and that's what you decide to send out. I just think that's really stupid.
1: Yeah. And I feel like even like any sort of decent human being, like, let's say you are a serial killer and all of a sudden you get amnesia and then you wake up one day and you're like, what am I doing here? What happened? And somebody's like, hey, yeah, you raved and killed all these people. And you're like, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You were convicted of it. This was your trial, blah, blah, blah. They would be like, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. Like, I'm so sorry I have all this guilt and I'm like so apologetic and like, I can't believe I did that. And he's not feeling any sort of that at all. He's just like, Oh yeah, well, whatever I did it. Who cares? Like, it's really crazy. Like what a crazy response.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I feel bad for the pain I've caused, but not really. I mean, I don't, that was, uh, anyway, You know what? It's such a typical sex offender response. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what I would expect from him. To be completely honest, this is 100% what I would expect. And it shouldn't make sense to us because we're logical people and he's illogical. So we shouldn't be able to talk sense into insanity. You know, I just think he's disgusting, Is really what I'm getting at. Like just the worst kind of person ever. Okay, well, I guess this is a good spot to move into the discussion questions. Because do you think in talking about his state of mind and his mentality, do you believe that he was criminally insane as his defense attorney argued in trial?
1: Um, no, I think he's just an asshole.
0: Yeah, no. Is there okay. a nice way to put that? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't think he's criminally insane at all. I think that they, his defense team was trying to grasp for right. something because they know that right. they were going to lose and they were like, well, okay, well, what do we got? What can we do? Last ditch effort. And they're like, well, if we plead insane. Like that could work. So I think that they tried it, but I don't think he actually is insane. I think that he's just being a dick.
0: Yep. Yep. And he really overly likes his. That's about it. And you know what? I think it's obvious whenever we see a sex offender committing these crimes that there's a mental disorder. I'm not going to diminish that. Okay. If you are a sex offender and you are attracted to children or you get off on pain and torture of another to the point that you have to kill them and use force outside of their will and set them on fire and all these horrible, horrible things. There's clearly something wrong with you, right? There's obviously a mental disorder and an abnormality. So we'll, we'll go with that. That's fine. I agree to that because that is not, I mean, I don't know what normal is, but it's not that right. That's not normal. That's not appropriate it's not okay by society standards or anybody else's, i mean except their own i guess, but that's about it like so i i understand the mental disorder part of it. but the fact that he planned it out from beginning to end and he chose his prey very carefully, right? He had an MO. and he followed up with destroying the evidence either by dismemberment or setting fires or whatever. That to me shows a very much sane person that is capable of the most heinous crimes, right? I mean, we can sit here and be like, oh, he's insane. He isn't sane in that he's making ridiculous decisions that I do not agree with. But he's sane in that he is of his right mind when making these decisions, in my opinion. There's not very many people that I wish ill will on or like would like to. I mean, because I don't get off on people suffering. You know, That's not something that I like to see or that I wish on anybody. But this is one of those people that I'm like, somebody take a broomstick to this motherfucker because I can't stand him. And if he's going to do all this shit to people and then be like, yeah, I'm not really sorry about it. Like, fuck you. You know, like, oh,
1: yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I hate him and I hate everything that he does. And I just I'm over him.
0: He is like. It's crazy because like his personality too, like even his roommate said, like, I had no idea that he was even capable of this. And if you just look at a picture of him, which if you go to our website or our social media, you'll see it on there. Like he doesn't, if you saw him on the street, you wouldn't think, oh, that's a sex offender. You know what I mean? And I don't know what, like all of us kind of have an idea of what maybe a sex offender stereotypically looks like or something, but he's not it. I mean, he looks like, I don't know, like the Pillsbury Doughboy, like owning a freaking bakery or something like he literally looks harmless and it's crazy because those are the people you know that of course are the most dangerous because it's not somebody that you would guess would do something like that and wouldn't think that they're capable of something like that but the fact that he already did prison for such a long amount of time prior to this got out immediately went back to doing what he was doing shows me that those seven years behind bars he was just like Jones in. You know what I mean? He was ready to get out and get going, which is disgusting. And I can't stand the fact that Charlene was okay with that. There is a woman on this planet that felt that was a good idea to not only marry this man and bring her child into this life with this man. I understand it's not their child, but she was pregnant. She had a responsibility for that child's safety and she chose to put that child around Paul Runge and then... Continue on with like, oh, let's set up threesomes and let's do all these great things. And maybe, we don't know, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she was trying to fulfill his fantasies. But the fact that she was involved and out there trying to clean up the blood off the sidewalk and do all the things that she participated in on these crimes and still stuck by his side for a couple of years is just revolting to me. I cannot understand how she did all of that and got away with it. I think that is the most unfair justice I've heard in a long time.
1: I concur. And I don't think that Charlene was innocent by any means. Um, I think that it's pretty disgusting if like your husband is a rapist and like you are aware of it and you are okay with it like I think we can all agree that that's pretty strange and gross but then you add on top of it that he was out there raping children like this gal was 10 and he was out there raping her and then she was okay with it like I just don't See how you could have a child, as a woman, have a child, and be okay with your husband, this person that you're so in love with, out there raping other children. Like, I just don't see, I don't see that. I don't see it, and I think it's disgusting. And I, like, that alone, I just, she just makes me sick.
0: hmm Yeah, I can't, I, I, that's really hard for me to be okay with accepting the fact that she is a woman and a mother and has any sense of nurture in her body. You know what I mean? No, no remorse, no nothing. And I mean, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Nowhere could I even find that she was like, Oh my God, I was scared for my life. I had to do what he said. Like nowhere did that. She just said, Oh yeah, I'll tell you everything. Cause you gave me immunity. And she told them what they wanted to hear. I mean, she told them what happened. You know, she answered all their questions, everything that they wanted to know. She gave them their answers and then she just moved on about her world. That was it. Like she just kept living life. So I'm not buying the whole like, oh, I was under this crazy influence from him or I felt all this pressure or I, whatever, that's fucking bullshit. I never even heard her say that, but that would be the only excuse that I could even think of that you'd feel like any sort of remorse for her. And she didn't even say that. So it's like she was a willing participant, had no problems doing that and still got away with it. All I can say is that I couldn't find anywhere that she had any additional victims. So I am thankful for that. If she's going to be in the free world, at least she's not murdering people. But man, that is a risk. I mean, full immunity. They could have given her a lesser sentence or something. I was like, I was shocked.
1: Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. I don't think if I was in the position of making that sort of decision that I would have offered her immunity. Like, I understand that they didn't have the DNA evidence yet. However, like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, like you said, I think I would have maybe offered a lesser sentence, but not immunity. Like, that is just insane to me. Oh,
0: man. Yeah, that's tough for me. I mean, I guess that's that. So that's my question then for you. Do you think that she's just lucky to get off with no punishment or like, how do you think that all played out?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I believe that she was lucky to get an immunity deal. I mean, cause we're talking about shortly after she um, got that deal, they came back with the DNA evidence that would put the nail in the coffin on him. I just think that she was so lucky she <laughs> knew she was lucky, and that's why when they were, like, when they offered it to her, she was like, all right, cool. Because I know, like, if this, if, if any, if they know, they know it's him, and they're going to link it to him. And right now they're offering me immunity. Like, heck yeah, I'm going to take that. And I think that she's just a slimy little snake. Like, there's no other way to describe her.
0: I think that's a really good way to describe her, slimy. I do want to say that I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And I don't know, like I said, maybe she turned out to be a wonderful person and mother, but I also believe, like I said, justice was not served on this case based on the fact that she got away. And maybe there's some pieces to this that we're missing that, you know, they'd never released to the public or something that uh, we're just not aware of because I can't even fathom this, but it's just, uh, like you said, a hard pill to swallow. Uh, they didn't need her testimony in either the mother or the daughter's slangs, nor the first killing. So they could have indicted them both on charges for the death of Stacy Fogrel, to say the least. And she could have received some type of punishment or something. Instead, she just said that she was involved, told us out the story, and walked free. It's just really sad. Okay, so I haven't asked this question in a while, so I'm asking it for you on this one as our last question before we wrap up this case. For Paul Runge, is this nature or nurture? We don't get to say that very often, I feel like.
1: I think this is nature. Nature. I know. It's so crazy when we do get to say that it's nature, but I think it's nature and let me explain why. So he was adopted when he was six months old, right? And his father seemed like he seemed like a pretty good person. He was apologizing to the father of Gutierrez and was saying like, I'm so sorry for what my son did, things like that nature. I also want to say that he did get kicked out of Catholic school when he was eight. And I just feel like this is not like this was not something that was built um, based on his surroundings. Like I think it was just in him and it's in you, not on you. And I think that he is just one of those unfortunate people where it's a nature situation. Like he was born to do this and it's so unbelievably gross and disgusting and sad, but I don't think that his environment bred him to be this way.
0: I agree with you completely. I think you hit the nail on the head and yeah, I we don't have enough evidence based on the fact that he was adopted to know for sure what his biological parents were made of, you know, so we don't know. We're obviously speculating, but I agree. It sounds like his parents were trying to do the best they could to raise him in a, in a good home. And that's, they couldn't even do anything because it was just literally built in his DNA. All right, Casey, well, we have like ringed Mr. Runge up one side and down the other. Um, I can't uh this case i we need to stop because i want to throw up do you have anything else that you want to say about this case or any other like final statements or comments or anything like that
1: no i don't have anything to add i just want to get this on record and say that paul is annoying and he's disgusting and i just want to be done with him so i agree i think we need to be done i'm over him i'm, I'm ready to call this one quits
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so we will post a picture of him on our social media and on our website. These discussion questions will be posted on our Facebook page. So head over to Facebook, search for Crime Addicts Pod. Like, follow, share, you know, all the good stuff. Scroll down, you'll see our Amazon link. Keep scrolling until you see discussion questions for episode number 31 and let us know what you think about these questions. Uh, the questions that I post to Casey today are, one, do you believe Runge was criminally insane? Two, was Charlene lucky to get off of this with no punishment? And three, nature or nurture? Let us know what you guys think about this case, any thoughts that you might have that have come to your mind while you've been listening Look at the pictures that we've posted and let us know what you think. Is this somebody that you would be afraid of or worry about if you saw them just walking down the street? Because we sure wouldn't. And with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode on this disgusting sex offender and murderer who resembles Billy from the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy cartoon. That knows. Come back next week, addicts, for another CA meeting. And until then, stay alive. Stay alert. And stay caffeinated.